is AI going to take all the jobs? It's interesting. I've heard this over and over that AI is not going to take your job, but somebody using AI is going to take your job if you don't know how to use it. And what it's going to do is it's going to take the same tasks and take the human doing the tasks and make them exponentially more efficient. Welcome to Surgeon Syndicate. If you're paying attention, you know that you only make money when you work. It might be great money, but it's dependent on you. The information on this podcast will help you solve that. We interview experts and provide analysis into financial freedom through commercial real estate. Why? To help physicians like you thrive. Let's dive in. Welcome to the show. This is your host, Dr. Michael McManus, and this is the Surgeon Syndicate, where we are here to help educate doctors on investing in commercial real estate. Today's show, we're going to talk a bit about artificial intelligence. It's a hot topic right now. And I really kind of stumbled into this from the real estate side because there's a lot of things going on now and a lot of tools coming out and people starting to look at different ways to use those tools. So ChatGPT is just over a year old. And this was really when some of the modern tools were introduced to the public, especially ChatGPT is a large language model or LLM. And it's really a generative AI or an AI that can make things based upon prompts. This was kind of new to everybody about a year ago. And there was some fast adoption, depending on how you look at it, slow adoption, just depending on how you, again, how you look at it. In the past year, what ChatGPT can do has expanded incredibly. A lot of that is just really in a growth phase. And from my impression, it's like we're standing back in 1995 looking at the internet. And I hear people say a lot of different things. And a lot of people, either they're very excited about it or they're not. And the people who aren't excited about it, when they play with the tools, they play with them a little bit and go, look, see what it can't do. This is dumb. And this is all hype and there's no point to it all. And the way I look at it right now is that would be the same thing as you just went on America Online in 1995 and you're like, look, this is slow. There's not much information out there. This technology is dumb. It's just a fad. Now, if somebody had said that in 1995, they really proved to be wrong. Now, what the internet could do in 1995 compared to what the internet can do today, the availability of it, if you're old enough, you remember going online back then and the connection was kind of like receiving a fax and you would hear all the computer noises that was establishing the connection. Or if you ever If you had a party line and you picked up the other phone and it would mess up the whole thing, but you would hear that noise going back and forth. Now that comparison to today, and I remember when we got the first, was it a one meg line or a DSL? And that was like super fast. And now you look at the amount of data and what a website would run like if that was the way it was hooked up would be incredibly not impressive. And what we use it for, and if it's just streaming for entertainment, it's for work. All the Zoom meetings, people working remotely, the amount of data. I remember having courses on going to the library and how to find information in the library to do research papers. Nobody does that anymore. Maybe they do on college campuses. There may be some stuff that has not been put into the internet where it's searchable, but that's an oddity. That's not the normal There's just so much information out there. Now it's at people's fingertips. And not only is the the internet fast, it's remote. 
I mean, it really doesn't seem like that long ago that when you started having internet on your phone and it was super slow. And if it was good for anything, it was maybe very minimal stuff like a map or to find where a restaurant was or get a recommendation. But you really didn't do a bunch of stuff on it if it was wireless. And even Wi-Fi within the house was slow. And now there are parts of the world where they don't have wired internet and it's probably never going in because the wireless internet is so good and it's so much cheaper to put in the infrastructure. So this little walk back through time, back to 1995 and through the internet is all to the point of looking at AI today. And like I said, there's a lot of, there's the naysayers and there's the lovers. And just the way I look at it, really it's 1995 again. And the AI we're looking at now is where it's just starting to exist. Just like the internet in 1995 wasn't new. The whole concept of it had been around for years. AI is not new. The whole concept of it goes back, I think, at least to the 1950s. And it's just grown. But we're at the point where we're going to see leaps forward. And not just leaps forward, but where now it's kind of exposed to the masses where everybody has a chance to play with it. And the things that will be built out of that are likely to change the world. And some people may disagree with me, but I think we're at one of these inflection points in history. And you can be scared of it. You can hate it. You can love it. But I think it's here to stay. And the tools that are becoming available are incredible. So this is one of my first recordings. I'm doing it on a software called Descript. We've kind of just changed the whole show. So this is the first episode recorded on Descript. And it's kind of a change we made because as I started looking at a lot of different things with the show and was kind of digging into AI and so, well, a lot of this we can now start to do with electronic tools. And although the editing tools or the AI tools that are available are somewhat limited, especially within certain price ranges, I'm sure there's some amazing software out there that isn't readily publicly available, but Descript is one of the first ones that put it out, that it removes the ums and the ahs and blank spaces. And we'll see if the you don't even hear those filler words, which I was just saying, because they may be edited out, but it also smooths the transitions. And what this does is instead of editing being a process, it's just kind of an automatic thing. And the number of editing tools are just going to grow. And I think a year from now, we'll look back and be amazed at what's happened. So we're kind of jumping in on that bandwagon here. So before we were recording our shows in Zoom and they would go through a whole production team and they would get uploaded somewhere else and distributed. And so now we're going to take this. It's going to be recorded in Descript. It'll be edited in Descript with most of the editing being done by the program and then it will put it automatically to the platforms. And then at the same time, we'll push it onto a different platform that will use another tool to cut up the little shorts to put it on social media and immediately and then push it out automatically all the social media channels. So it won't take just doing it where it's one step at a time. This whole process will likely take one person five minutes to do the whole thing for producing an episode. So that was kind of my intro into AI as far as the podcast is concerned. So what does this have to do with real estate? And really more, what does it have to do with life and with medicine? And so I've really spent the last couple of weeks and I feel slow because it's funny, you know, you do a deep dive into something, you start learning about it. 
in the beginning, I feel like, oh man, I'm learning all this stuff. And then you kind of get delve into this world. And I feel like, oh my goodness, I'm a year behind. I should have been delving into this before. And I, you get all these from all the stuff I've been listening to and reading all these voices in my head. And I go back out in the world and you mentioned to other people like, ah, this AI stuff is cool. And people look at you like you got two heads and that there's a lot of different impressions, but most people haven't really grasped onto it. But what's going to be coming is a lot of tasks are going to change. And if you think back to, let's just talk about a word process. When I was a little kid or when I was in middle school and high school, when we did a paper, you wrote it out by hand and then you typed it and used the correcting ink. And then there were the fancy typewriters that could go back and automatically fix stuff were expensive. And they had those in offices. I'd go to my dad's office and his secretary had one, but that wasn't available to me. So when I was typing papers at school or whatever, most of the time you had to go back and do use the whiteout and clear it out and then type it again. And there was definitely no spell check. So you had to check it and then go back and fix it and do all this stuff. And I remember my brother was right towards the end of when I was into high school. My brother got for Christmas a a word processor and it wasn't even a computer. It was a typewriter that had the ability to hold like a paragraph at a time. And so you would type it in and then you could go back and check what it said and then fix anything. It still didn't have spell check. And then you'd hit a button and then it would type out that paragraph and clear the memory and you could do the next one. And it was this huge game changer in the amount of time it took me to type a paper. And then, so then comes along, it was a word perfect. And then Microsoft Word, where there was actually a computer and a word processing program where you could type the whole thing, edit the whole thing, and then you would print it to hand it in at school. Like my kids now, they're like, print it. What are you talking about? They just submit it online. So the whole thing has been, has taken all these steps out and all these kind of not fun steps have been automated. And so I think we're going to start seeing the same thing with a lot of tasks that we may do in our daily life that may get automated. So from the real estate standpoint, we're going to start to see programs that can automatically search for deals. And this is going to be rough and clunky for a while, but some of it'll The whole idea is, though, instead of having to scroll through the internet and look for these things or make as many phone calls or go to the web pages of each broker, a lot of this will be brought to us. And then instead of going through downloading the offering memorandum and going through all the information and putting it into your spreadsheet and then running the data and see what it does, that the AI will go and strip these from the sources We'll put them in the spreadsheet. We'll run the numbers and see if the numbers even work to a point where you can set criteria that says, is this deal even worth looking at? So then instead of as a person having to dig through a thousand deals to then do the numbers and then break it down, the AI is going to do a lot of this. And so now big operations right now, they may have this, but there's people out there who are collecting the deals and putting them into the spreadsheets. And then they go to the underwriters who then work through and then they go to the decision maker. And so if you got a big operation in a big shop, this stuff kind of gets done automatically before it gets to the decision maker. But a lot of this may become a one person job. So it'll come to y'all at once. Then this strikes the fear. And this is the big thing going on right now is people say, well, is AI going to take all the jobs? It's interesting. I've heard this over and over that AI is not going to take your job, but somebody using AI is going to take your job if you don't know how to use it. 
And what it's going to do is it's going to take the same tasks and take the human doing the tasks and make them exponentially more efficient. And there will be a transition period, but it doesn't look like this transition period is going to take as long as the adoption of the personal computer and then the adoption of the internet. I mean, the PC thing all started in the late 80s, and then it was the 10 years till we got to the 90s, and then the internet, and then the the internet wasn't really commonplace until after 2000. And, and these are kind of broad strokes on the dates, but we're talking decades of adoption where a lot of these things with AI we're likely to see in the next year or two and these massive changes. And I'm really excited about it. There's a couple of ways you can look at it. You can say, you know what? This is scary. I hate it. I'm going to stick my head in the sand and hope it goes away until it comes along and you may find a skill set that you become a dinosaur or you can embrace them, jump in on the front end and learn to use these tools. And so investors, if you're looking at properties, keeping track of your portfolio, all kinds of different things are going to be coming out that just allow you to organize and evaluate large volumes of data in a short amount of time. And so what do we do with these? I think the hard part of this for a lot of adults and I've heard this theory before that you give something new to a kid and a kid wants to interrogate it and figure out what it does and what it's capable of doing. And so you give a computer to a kid and that's what they do. They want to see what it can do. And they go through and they mess with it. And then they become extremely proficient because they've kind of interrogated this machine and see what it's capable of. Or an adult gets a new tool and they're like, what can this tool do? And what job is it going to do for me? And so they're trying to make the tool do a job and they get frustrated because there's a learning process and trying to get to the tool doing a job becomes very frustrating until they hit the point where maybe they finally figure it out or they give up on it, where the kid first learns about the machine and then you give them a job and they're, oh, that's easy. And I think people have some of this same frustration. They'll be like, see, this tool doesn't do that, throw it away. And really, I keep hearing this from people who are kind of whizzes at it right now is the key right now is to get your hands on the different tools and start playing with them, see what they can do. And that's the cool thing about some of these new tools with ChatGPT, with Google Bard, with, oh, it's the other one out there, Claude. It's just play with it, give it some tasks and ask it, you know, one of the best ones was go to ChatGPT and say, hey, ChatGPT, teach me to use ChatGPT. And it'll start walking you through and you ask it questions. And it's kind of cool. And that's where I finally, instead of trying to make it do things and judging it on what it could or couldn't do, and it said, okay, well, let's see what you can do. And you learn to do these different things. I think there's a lot of people out there right now selling things like selling prompts on LinkedIn. Here's our 1,000 prompts and we'll sell them to you. And then you'll be a chat GPT expert. I've heard this from a few experts and I've kind of experienced myself that list of things. Again, we'll go back into the trying to make it do a task and you'll be scanning your prompts for what's the right prompt to make it do what I want it to versus playing with it, trying different things and seeing what it can do. I think it's going to be a way that's going to be a lot more fun and hopefully will be a little more rewarding to people. So that's kind of where I'm at right now with AI. I think the amount that I use it in my real estate business is going to grow a ton. Now, when it comes to healthcare, this is a whole other topic that we'll just touch on for a little bit here. Because even my kids, when I go, what do you guys think about AI and healthcare? You know, and they're Gen Z and they go, oh, that's bad. I don't want to see a computer doctor. I want a person. I don't trust it. People start talking about AI hallucinations. 
which is a whole another topic, which is basically where the AI is depending on how it's set up and how you prompt it. It really wants to give you an answer. It's like a little kid trying to please you. And if it reaches a point, now it's a very small percentage of the time, and I can't tell you what percentage of the time, that it kind of makes something up just like a kid, not just a kid, like a human being. And so I was shocked when they were like, oh, AI is bad and we need people because if AI doesn't know, it'll make stuff up. And I'm like, what? People don't do that. People do that all the time at all kinds of levels. They just make stuff up when they don't know. So I can't see that chat GPT or any of these models will be worse than people at this because I think people do it more than 1% of the time. And I don't know the exact percentages for the different software out there right now. But what these things will be is is not just, we've already seen models where they can make great diagnoses and you plug this information. Then on the other side, you have some doc plugging stuff into chat GPT and it gets the wrong answer. And they're like, see, this is dumb. Learning how to use the tool again, and the tools will become more user-friendly. So this is coming to healthcare near you. It's also going to be coming to the part of your clinic flow of the processes of what you do. And probably a good way to think about it is if you look around is all those tasks that you hate <laughs> that seem simple, but are time consuming will likely be consumed by AI. What are some of the things that are exciting about AI is and when you combine it with some other technologies like blockchain that, that make it hard to go back and change a record or change what was meant. One of the things I'm most excited about and we'll see is its impact on insurance. And we've already heard these things about these insurance companies. Oh, they built an AI model and it was wrong 90 some percent of the time I already heard it was denying claims when it shouldn't have been. I'm like, really? You're surprised by that? insurance company, that's what they do. They try and hold on to money. And even if they just delay how long until they have to pay, they get to make their float on that. That's what they do. It's the whole model of insurance. And so are we surprised that they took a technology and used it to try and more efficiently deny claims? But on the other side, so if we build in a blockchain contract that makes it almost impossible to go back and say, covered, not covered, and an AI that's able to scan that contract and see that all of this is my hope that this whole battlefield of insurance coverage could just go away. It's covered or it's not. And you know, immediately if it is or isn't, and there's not this need for this whole delay in care related to insurance. This is one of my hopes. Technology is not there yet, but that this could be one of the first things that we see that just goes away. Also, healthcare is being eaten alive by administrative costs, by just layers of middle management sitting in meetings. And I know there's people out there, yes, they're doing important work, most of them. That's just my opinion. That's one of the biggest places of waste in healthcare, that a lot of that stuff may also be replaced. And we can release these people back to doing some sort of meaningful work besides just healthcare admin and regulatory craziness. I don't know. These are my hopes for AI. Yes, there could be bad actors. Yes, there will be people who use it in a bad way. That's like everything else in human history. There will also be people who do great things and will do some awesome things with it. So I'm looking forward to seeing what unfolds over the next couple of years with AI in healthcare, with AI in real estate. And if you have questions, reach out. I'd love to talk about this is one of my favorite topics right now. I'm even thinking about, let me know, send me comments on LinkedIn or messages. 
that would you like to hear more about this? We may add another show a week and just make it like an AI show where we can bring on experts and they can teach us something every week about really what's going on here. I'm kind of excited about that because I want to learn more about this and I'd love to have them on and talk to them. So maybe we'll be adding that to the show. We may have, we're making this transition I talked about. We're changing our technology. We're changing our platform. Hopefully we're going to make it easier for people to reach out to us and harder for me to miss it. Kind of building some staff and some technology to take all that stuff and make us more efficient and help us serve you better. So if you see some glitches, hopefully those are growing pains and they're short and barely noticeable. If they're bigger glitches, please bear with us. This is going to be better on the other side, and I just hope we can get there smoothly. And as always, thank you for joining us here on Surgeon Syndicate. If you enjoyed the show, you found some value here, please go give us a five-star review and leave us a review. And the good news, like I said, we're getting things set up where we can make sure we see all these reviews and can respond to them. The reviews help with rankings out there so that we get seen. If you think what we're doing is good and helpful to you, it'll help other people see us more too. I listen to podcasts in the car most of the time, so I can't just, oh, I'm going to just click over here and leave a review. So I'm really bad about it. But now that I have a show, I have to make sure I go and leave reviews for podcasts because most podcasters really enjoy the feedback and it really helps them. So leave us a review, share it with a friend. Thank you for joining us and join us next time here on Surgeon Syndicate. This has been an episode of Surgeon Syndicate. If you found value in this episode, no other surgeons are hungry to become job optional. You can help them by sharing this content today. I also want to serve you better, so I want to offer you two things. Number one, I'll be able to give you the content in an even better way if you can take a moment and leave an honest review of the show explaining what you like and what you don't. Number two, if you are a surgeon and serious about this, you don't want to do this on your own because you don't want to make mistakes with your money. I'd be happy to help. Schedule a call. We can make a plan. Looking forward to having you with me on the next episode.